Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to the latest in an occasional series of readings and conversations brought to you by the Times Literary Supplement. My name's Toby Lishtig, and today in the studio I'm joined by the TLS contributor, David Collard, to discuss Hugo Ball's Dardaist novel, Flametti. Flametti was first published nearly a century ago in German, but only now is it available in English translation by Catherine Shelbert. David, Hugo Ball once said his novel contained his whole Dada philosophy, could you tell us a little bit more about this? Well, yes and no. This, this wonderful firework of a novel, written in 1916, published in 1918 in Germany, is proto-Dada in a way. It anticipates the concerns of Dada, and Hugo Ball was the co-founder with Tristan Zara of this incredibly innovative, radical, and influential movement. It was anti-philosophy. It was anti-everything, and particularly anti-war, um, at a time when the most colossal carnage and slaughter was going on across the border. Baal and a loose-knit community of other artists and performers and writers congregated at the Cabaret Voltaire, which Baal founded with his partner, Emmy Hennings. And this proved to be what you might call the Burgess Shale of modernism, a huge number of things derived from the performers who met and worked there. A cohort dazzling in its range and quality Apollinaire, Jean Arp, André Breton, Marcel Duchamp, Paul Eloi, Max Ernst, George Gross, Man Ray, Paul Clay, Kirchfitters, Yves Klein, and so on, all in one way or another encountered or interacted with the Cabaret Voltaire, founded in a rather damp back room of a bar in the Spiegelstrasse. Um, it was, as I say, very negative in its philosophy, and in fact, philosophy is perhaps too robust a word for what Dada stood for. Baal, in particular, with his innovations in poetry, wanted, paradoxically, to overturn the rational discourse that surrounded modernism. He wanted to, in a way, do to language what the armies of Europe were doing to the Flanders landscape. He wanted to smash it up and articulate unreason. And in this, he was terribly eloquent. So if the book contains his philosophy, that's also negatively... It's a wonderful book about a ramshackle theatre troupe run by Flametti, the hero, if hero he be, a rather ridiculous figure who has a, a terrible group of 
performers under his leadership, a yodeling trio, a contortionist, a female impersonator, a soubrette and a pianist, the pianist based on Hugo Ball. And Flametti, perhaps, uh, maybe a portrait of Tristan Zara, who was a shameless promoter of Dada, but the two men fell out um, quite early on, and Baal faded from the scene before, almost before the Cabaret Voltaire had established itself. Uh, he was to die young from stomach cancer at the age of 42, and is less well known than he should be. Flametti was written when Baal and his partner were living very impoverished lives indeed, as members of a ramshackle theatre troupe, on which this novel is based. It's a wonderful picture of the environment within which Dada grew. Flametti is rather like Zara, a publicist, above all, but rather irresistible in his dreamlike enthusiasm for a new production called The Indians. This he commissions from a poet resident in Zurich called Stanislaus Rotter. And I'm going to read a short extract from the novel Where the Two Men Meet for the First Time. See if you can spot who Rotter may be based on. At the agreed hour, Flametti met Herr Rotter at the Terrassen Café. Rotter was his usual elegant self. He was reading the Daily Mail. Could he really read it? Wasn't he just putting on airs? With a brisk, practised wave of the hand, he invited Flametti to take a seat, placed his pince-nez in front of his lidless, inflamed eyes, rubbed his nose, and plucked the manuscript out of his briefcase. Flametti ordered a pilsner, whereupon they proceeded to pussyfoot around the affair. "'Here it is, Flametti,' Herr Rotter said, for what it's worth, while rocking the manuscript on his hand. Flametti leaned forward over his knees and smoked a cigar. "'It's like this. The Delawares. You play Fireglow. The others, the dames, all five of them, are the tribe. Properties. Fur costumes, as mentioned, spear, tomahawk, headgear.' Music, C major. Lighting, red. You'll do the rehearsing. Here's the script. I can't help feeling that this must be a thinly disguised portrait of James Joyce, then resident in Zurich. Stanislaus, of course, was Joyce's younger brother. The name may be taken for him. But a haughtily condescending poet with inflamed eyes, sporting pince-nez, must have surely been a nod in that direction. The novel Flametti would benefit from footnotes, but one can cross-reference many of the things that go on with Bal's diaries published many years ago in English in the United States. The novel explores the rehearsal and first night of this play, which is eventually called The Indians, a preposterous piece, but which reflects Dada's fascination with primitivism in all its forms, African drumming and jazz were the soundtrack for the Cabaret Voltaire. The novel, as I say, explores the theatrical world and, as the subtitle suggests, the dandyism of the poor. Hugo Ball has a kind of Baudelarian interest in both poverty and self-expression. As I say, um, he, he was extremely hard up during the period when he wrote this novel and pretty much all the time after that. Apart from this brief and, and prosperous episode in Zurich during the war... His main contribution to the Dada movement artistically is tiny but substantial. He wrote half a dozen of his so-called sound poems, verses without words. These were performed for the first time on the 23rd of June, 1916. There's a well-known photograph of Bal 
dressed in an astonishing costume with a conical pointed shaman's hat and the rest of the costume made of cardboard in brilliant colours, azure, scarlet, gold, makes him look like a cubist bishop. He had two music stands, one on either side, on which the two sets of verses were propped. Now, these are not nonsense verses like Lewis Carroll, but do suggest a link between Carroll's whimsy and, and the compacted punning of Finnegan's Wake. But they are deadly serious. They are articulations of unreason. They are angry pieces of verse delivered in a provocative way by a man dressed, as I say, in religious garb in a rowdy, boozy, smoky nightclub to a young audience in the context of total war. And before I came to record this podcast, I I listened to various versions of his poetry performed online, most notably by Marie Osmond of Osmond Family fame, who does a brilliant and uh, passionately eloquent rendering, which I recommend you look up. But I found something in Bull's diary which gives a clue as to how he performed this poem 98 years ago. For a start, it's important that it's not random nonsense, but he approached the creation of the poem by, by basing it on Quote, the equilibrium of vowels regulated and distributed exclusively in relation to the phonic value of the initial line. But then he talks about how the performance of these verses changed on the night. How, he asked himself in the middle of reading the first poem, how would he continue to the end? And in his diary he said, I noticed that my voice, which apparently had no other choice, had assumed an ancient cadence of sacerdotal lament in the style of the masses sung in the Catholic churches of the East and West. I do not know what this music inspired in me, but I began to sing my sequences of vowels in recitative liturgical manner. Baal was raised a devout Catholic and spent his last years really as a Catholic mystic researching the origins of the church. So for him to do so at this performance was doubly transgressive. It was a transgression against his religious upbringing and convictions, but also against art. And we're back to this anti-philosophy of Dada. Dada was anti-religion, anti-society, anti-art. What I'd like to do is not so much recite as perform Elefanten Caravani, as Hugo Ball may have done on that June night 98 years ago in front of a boozy audience at the Cabaret Voltaire. Jolly Fanto Bambla, old Fali Bambla, Grossiga Mfa Habla Horem, Egiga Goramen, Higo Bloeko Rusula Huju, Holaka Holala, Anloga Bung, Blago Bung, Blago Bung, Bosofataka, Ooh, 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 Ooh. Shampa, wula, wusa, olobo, hejtata, gorem, heshiga, zunbada, ulubu, subutu, ulubu, subutu, tumba, baumpf, kusa, gauma, baumpf. In his diary, he records. The electric light was turned off as arranged and I was carried away, covered in perspiration like a magical bishop who disappears into the abyss. Thus was Dada phonetic poetry born. 
read more about Hugo Bell's Dardaist novel Flametti in this week's TLS. Also in this week's issue, Michael Hoffman considers the genius of Bertolt Brecht, and William Doyle applauds a new translation of Victor Hugo. We have reviews of Dennis Donoghue, Dave Eggers, and the essential Ellen Willis. A reappraisal of the Magna Carta, 800 years on, a history of American Southern cooking, and much, much more. To find out more about the TLS, and to read a free selection of pieces from this week's issue, go to our website, the-tls.co.uk. You can read the TLS in full every week in print, or via our app, which is available on iTunes and in the Amazon App Store. The TLS. Life in every word. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.